You're listening to Ants Talk. My next guest is a NIDA-trained Aussie actress who has started her very own podcast talking about the effects of reality TV. Each week, she chats to a person from the world of reality television, including past contestants, show producers and psychologists to talk about the highs and lows of reality TV experience. Welcome to the show, Gabrielle Scorson. How are you, Gabrielle? Thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I, we were just talking before the interview. You're in lockdown in Sydney. I am in lockdown in a five-star hotel in Sydney, so I think I won quarantine. <laughs> I think you did too. I, what are the meals like? <laughs> really good. This is the, I'm pescatarian, so I'm just oh, getting amazing. smoked salmon, tuna fillets. I mean, they're really looking after me, actually. Oh, can't complain about that. <laughs> now, Gabriel, tell us how you got into TV and acting. Um. Well, I mean, I got into reality television because my friend at high school said that Channel V were auditioning for uh, a a music presenter and that I should go. I thought she was ridiculous, (laughs) absolutely ridiculous. Um, And then she convinced me to audition. So it was, you know, one of those big kind of Westfield cattle calls where hundreds of people line up for hours and, I mean... I, I actually, my dad took me kind of last minute because I really didn't want to go. Um, well, I didn't want to go because I didn't think that I, that there would be any point. And yeah, yeah. so my dad took me and I was the last person that they saw wow. on that day. So I was the final audition. And um, so that's how I got into reality television. I answered one of those cattle call things. That's amazing. So <laughs> when you, when did you do NIDA? Was that before or after the first? That was after. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, so and I actually, yeah. Struck a chord, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I started to kind of think, oh, maybe you should just go for things and you never know because yeah. it was utterly shocking and surprising the first time. So, yeah, that's what made me kind of go, maybe I will audition for NIDA. And one interesting um, question. So, NIDA, how, do, how would they view reality TV? <laughs> Funnily enough, they were not the biggest fans um, <laughs> from what I remember. Obviously, you know, I get it from their point of view. They look at it as, you know, you're literally shooting yourself in the foot because mm-hmm. Australian networks only have to do a certain amount of quotas for Australian content and reality television uh, hogs a majority of those quotas. And especially now, I think that there are none whatsoever. Um the networks have kind of used COVID as a great excuse not to produce any Australian content. Um, So my drama teachers were not best pleased that my background was in unscripted television. Um, But what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? What do you do? If funny enough, I actually, um, I auditioned myself for big brother back in the day and I got down to the last 50 and I will say that when they got back to me and they said, look, you're down to the last 50 and blah, blah, I, that was the point where I literally freaked out. And I started thinking to myself, oh my God, what am I doing? Do I really want my life out on the television? And, you know, people bitching about me on social media and all this stuff and then digging up dirt on myself and my family. And, and I chickened out. I literally rang them back and said, uh, 
I want to pull out. <laughs> oh, good. When, like, what series? Was it one of the very first? Yeah, or? so it was, it was, I think it was near the end of the first series. But mm-hmm. funny enough, I then did it again last year, I think it was, and again got into about, I think I was about, I don't know, in Adelaide, there was, I think, a hundred of us being auditioned. Um, so they, you know, basically struck everybody off and then got down to the hundred that were there. And again, those same feelings rose for me. And I was just like, oh my God, I hope I don't get picked. And I didn't, thankfully. But (laughs) it's weird. Like I have this love for it where I would love to do it. But at the same time, Mm. I'm like, do I really want all that attention? I'm just not too sure. And you don't have any control over it. I mean, that's the thing. You really you know, when you step out on stage or something like that, or you know that you're going to be playing a specific role, Mm. you have so much control over how that comes across. But you really kind of sign your life away with reality television and and allow them to portray however fits best into their story, which Mm. I think is such a scary proposition for someone. Well, that's true. And so with a scripted television show also, you have a script. So you yeah. know what's going you know to happen and there's not going to be any of these surprises. Funny enough, with that Big Brother that, that just um, showed, I was so glad that I wasn't put into those um, challenges that they did because they were full-on physical challenges and I really don't know if I would have coped too well. I don't think I would have gotten very far at all. <laughs> I didn't get to see the latest season, but from oh, what I understand... It was quite structured and almost semi-scripted that, you know, there are so many challenges and the way that people kind of vote people out. It yeah, was yeah. all done in-house. Yeah, yeah so it was more a, Survivor it was a, style. It was. It was very unique, this series. And I don't know if, I mean, m- most people enjoyed it, but I do know that a lot of people didn't really like the whole the whole way it was being done and they let everybody know on social media as they do. Um, so... Yes, bless them. Bless those little hearts. So what was the first thing that you noticed that was challenging about the reality television industry? Uh, Sorry, from my personal experience or from the the people? No, from your personal. A, I was really young when I went. So I was 17 years old, Mm. uh, found out on the Friday night or the Saturday night, was there on the Monday you know, ready filming on the Monday. Right. Um, So there was no prep time whatsoever and just kind of thrust into it. And so I found being taken from my normal everyday life into a completely different world. I'm from Ipswich, Queensland, which is quite a beautiful... I'm a Queenslander too. Yay, (laughs) repping! It's quite a small, you know, it's not a city... I think it is actually technically Ipswich City, but anyone who's lived in Ipswich knows it's not a city. It's a smaller kind of community town. And to go to Sydney at 17 and going to Sydney, but then also having a job at a like rock music television station. Yeah. Um, that's a very different world. It's literally sex, drugs and rock and roll. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so I found transplanting into a completely different world so utterly beguiling and also just utterly challenging. Because funny enough, a friend of mine, Denny Hines, was actually one of those V people for a while also. She was doing that for a bit, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because I remember um, her telling me about it once and I did see a clip 
I can't remember who she was interviewing, but as you just went back to saying it, you know, it's very drugs, rock and roll. She was interviewing someone that was really out there and I'm pretty sure they might've indulged the night before. Um, and so I can imagine as young as you were interviewing people that were in that state most of the time would have been very interesting. Yeah. And that, you know, that artists, they're, mm. they're rock, uh, rock and roll music people. It's like, my brand is to be utterly ridiculous, you know, and, and quite out there and, um, and to live the lifestyle. And so yeah. I, I think it's very nice that the people indulge the night before and not during. Not- uh, <laughs> exactly. And it's funny because with that TV show, it was huge here in Australia. It was so massive. And if anything, times, and I think reality TV has changed again. And I really see the damaging effects it has now because you do have all of these people that are coming out from many, many reality shows just talking about the lack of support and, you know, the the bullying online and all this sort of stuff that they've got to deal with. How, going back to when you were on it and, and through your experience and also your knowledge with the podcast and stuff, how real is reality TV? Is it a, because you get so many people talking about, I wasn't edited correctly and that wasn't me. And, and I mean, people at home are sitting there going, well, you, you must have said it to be edited, so it must be you. But really, how, how real is it? So when I did it, totally real. Um, yeah. But the circumstances around it, you know, quite often these people are taken from their families. They are put in a set of circumstances that they've never been in before. Mm. Um, so you're not actually yourself. You're acting, you're surviving in a very different landscape. So there's that because I, I speak to so many guests on my show who say, well, at the end of the day, I said it, I said what I said. And that's probably, if I interview 20 reality television guests, about 19 people say that sentence word for word. But the actual circumstances that they're in, that's not you. And, you know, it's that, I think there's that saying that says you can't judge someone on their worst day. Yeah, yeah. And quite often these people are under extremely stressful uh, circumstances and they say something that is indicative of that experience, not actually who they are. Mm. But then to the Australian public, that's, or, you know, whatever public, that's who they become. So I think that's incredibly difficult. And in terms of how I think with the editing, and again, it varies from show to show, um, but I was, I was actually talking to someone this morning who said if they ever cut away while you're talking, you know how often they have masters, yeah. you know, and yeah. they'll be chatting to someone and then they just show some footage of something else and the person is still talking. If you can't see someone's lips moving, it's probably heavily edited. Mm. And actually, sometimes if you listen, um, I was interviewing someone from Married at First Sight and she said, I was hearing sentences that I'd never said before. And if you listen closely, you hear this, I went into the shower. You, oh, and they've, yeah. they've strung together because in these contracts, when you sign them, and actually I was talking to an anonymous producer on one episode And they were saying, you sign anything you say away. So that means that I guess legally they are allowed to edit it in however they see fit. Um, So it's, it's a bit of both. And I've also spoken to 
producers and psychologists who say it's just very challenging for people to see themselves reflected in that way Mm. because it's true we don't have a very good perception of who we are we feel who we are inside but we don't actually know what we look like from a third third hand perspective yeah yeah. and so but i think it's actually a bit of both yeah and i think too that people have got to realize i mean this is the thing you also have producers sort of egging you on to say and do things um going Mm. back to what you were just talking about with contracts i mean that was part of the reason that it scared me away from reality TVs because when I read that contract, I mean, you're literally, the only thing they're not asking for is a blood sample. They, they want yeah. everything. You know, they I feel want- like Married at First Sight does <laughs> ask for a blood sample. Well, well, isn't there that new one about getting a baby or something? I shudder to think what samples they're getting there. Um, oh. Yeah, so I don't know. But, yeah, so with, with it too, when you read the contract, it is full on you are literally signing your life away to these people to take utter control and to utilize you in any way, shape or form that they see Mm. fit. Um, It's, it's, it's quite a unique read. You will never read a contract probably like it again in your life. It is full on Um, with social media and its impact on the whole reality TV experience. How do you think that's impacted it and changed it from when you were doing V? I mean, yeah, it wasn't really a thing when I was doing mm. Channel V. You know, it really wasn't. People were still watching television back then. They weren't on their on their phones. But I've noticed it talking to the guests that I've spoken to really prominently in two ways. A, trolling is just, yeah. there is no way to safeguard for that. There is just, and I really feel for producers on that side of things in terms of you can never prepare someone for how nasty someone can be Mm. um and we've seen fatalities from that you know it's um you're allowing people to come at you uh in so many different ways and then the other way as well and this is i i noted i noticed this talking to producers is that their role has actually changed because you get people coming in who are already so socially savvy you know and we're talking about big brother the first few series of big brother you have total you have real people coming into a situation people have never been on tv they've you know they don't have an instagram page that was and so they were coming in just really being themselves you have people coming in you know on love island and places like that they already have a hundred thousand followers they know exactly how to portray themselves, what brand they want to get across. They know important talking points. They know how to seamlessly craft these stories. And so it's almost, it makes it a bit more challenging for producers because mm. they're not as easily malleable. Um, a lot of the time, you know, this is, I'm talking in broad strokes yeah, here, yeah. but a specific example, uh, I was talking to someone who, I think had worked on the bachelor at some point in time and they were saying my job is holding them back my job at those cocktail parties because the cameras come on and they go I know how to get screen time this way and so their job was actually holding people back making sure they weren't drinking too much trying to sober them up trying Mm, you know so I think I think social media has kind of made people a bit more savvy in terms of yeah 
And I think that's the thing too, because that whole world has changed. Um, even in the modeling world, because I do a lot of work for a modeling agency here in Adelaide. And it's funny how times have changed, how the big agencies in Sydney and New York and everywhere else in the world basically really want models now that have got high social media followings. It doesn't matter about, you know, whether you've done a significant amount of work or you were just a really beautiful person. If you've got an Instagram following of, you know, 300, 500,000 people, they're going to choose you over somebody else immediately. And I think that's the same thing that's happening with um, reality TV at the moment, especially with, as you said, Love Island and dating shows similar to that. This is Ant's Talk. Funny enough, going back to my friend, Denny, she also did um, Celebrity Apprentice. And that was probably the worst experience of her life. She hated it. So again, back to the editing thing. It was funny because there was so much controversy over one argument that she was having with another person, a woman, I think, from one of those, uh, another reality TV show about like the block or, or, you know, one of those building shows, Mm. I can't even remember. And it was basically an argument between them in the backseat of a car. And that sort of, you know, brought on such hate to Denny because of how she was handled in that situation. And when I actually asked her about it, she said, you know, that whole conversation was in the back of that, the backseat of that car, that lasted about three minutes. She said three to five minutes max. She said, and then once we, we finished the argument, we sort of simmered down a little bit, had our bit out, and she said and it was over and done with. She said, but they portrayed, they stretched that little argument out over three nights to make it look like it was the biggest drama. And then what happened was that she was then in all of the ads, the promo ads after that for the rest of the weeks of the show, they were painting her green and dressing her up like a witch with artworks to basically have her flying across the screen like witchy poo from Wizard of Oz. So they literally made her into this nasty evil witch because of the capture that they got in that car that day. So that just gives you a glimmer of what the reality behind reality is. Yeah, I mean, they're also, they're trying to cast their story. So yeah. people get, you know, villain edit. That, that sounds has like a, a villain edit yeah. 101, you know. And it's, I mean, it's a bit sloppy, really, yeah, you know. Definitely. Um, but it's, I guess it's easy, isn't it? It's just yeah. such a shorthand to create some drama. Exactly. Now also, um, I'd like to get your ideas around, cause I believe that you're a big believer in having a psycholo- psychological debriefing considered as duty of care within reality TV shows, which I completely agree with. I think it's so important because some of the, the stuff that these people are not only dealing with while they're doing the show and basically locked away, but then they come out of these, these shows and are absolutely faced with thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of people hating them and doing the most nasty things. And I think going back to social media too, is that's probably where most of the, the damage is done. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm guilty myself. It's, I, I was only the other day reading something and I was about to put a smart little comment up thinking, oh, it's hilarious. And then I thought to myself, but why am I doing this? It's almost like the, the people that are sitting at home on their keyboards are competing with each other for the funniest tagline. And, it's, and then I just thought, you know what? I don't need to do this. Delete, 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 delete. I just was like, let other people do it. I'm sure it will happen. 
Yeah, I, mean, I think that's it though, isn't it? It's just they don't have that second thought of, hold on, why am I doing this? I think yeah. it's so much more about the person commenting than it is about the person that's being commented oh, of on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's people trying to be funny and also, look, I, I, I don't I, I don't know. The internet always baffles me. But yes, I very much uh, think that people should have psychological uh, debriefing and an aftercare program afterwards, um, mm. which is happening, you know, a, a lot. It's I think it's pretty part and parcel now that if you have a reality television show, you are an unscripted television show, you are going to have a support system afterwards. That was not the case uh, when I was on television mm. i um lost got down to the final two uh and lost the grand final i was kicked out of the apartment and sent back to ipswich the very next day wow um there was they asked actually it's weird they asked me to go into the office into the station they asked me to and then i sat there and everyone tried not to make eye contact with me because I was the, the loser and they didn't need me anymore. And it was supremely awkward. And then I, I think like maybe the managing director of Channel V was just like, how are you feeling? Mm. And I was like, pretty awful. Okay, <laughs> good. Thanks for coming. Oh. <laughs> and that was, yeah. that was kind of it. The other kicker is when I walked into the Foxtel studio, um, we had to do this photo shoot with like Tony Mott. It was someone amazing. And um, they didn't tell us what the photo shoot was for. And then I walked into Foxtel and in the uh, reception room was ceiling to floor a, a, a photo of the guy who won. Just this oh. like five <laughs> metre kind of portrait of the guy who won. And I was like, oh. That's what that photo shoot was for. <laughs> <laughs> so that was how I got, you know, then it's just, it's utterly bizarre that you would use someone for a couple of months and then treat them like that afterwards, which I am very relieved. I, I don't think that that is what happens now a days. Mm. I don't think. Well, no, I, 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 funny enough, there was a, Oh, I'm hopeless with names on reality shows <laughs> because there's so many of them these days. But there is one guy that's been on Love Island. He's also been on, I think he was on Bachelor also with um, Ali Ochen, who's actually from here in Adelaide. And he was, he was, he's, he was known as the Klinger, stage, <laughs> stage four Klinger. Um, dark hair. I think he's a fireman. Oh yes, yes. So he's Jamie. Yes, so he's one of the people that has come out saying that there wasn't a lot of psychological support after. Yeah, yeah. And look, I've never spoken to Jamie, and but I have spoken to someone who I think worked roughly, probably on the same season, uh, one of the same seasons that he was involved with, whether it be Bachelor in Paradise. And I, I think there is a concern for, for putting someone like that up. It didn't seem, it, it, it didn't come across like he knew exactly what the score was. Yeah. I and think I'm wondering he genuinely too, had feelings. Yeah, I do too. And I'm wondering if it is something where they set it up like, okay, well, you do have the access to it. There it is over there. If you want it, yeah. go and do it where 
you think about majority of men just in nature, they aren't going to go and get that support that, you know, that shows weakness, et cetera, et cetera. So that's not something that someone would walk up and do. It's almost like it needs to just be pushed on to every contestant, regardless if they need it or not. Yeah. Mandatory. That's, I was talking to um, one of the head psychologists who essentially does every single Australian reality television show that we have with the exception of married at first sight. Funnily enough, they've never contacted him for an aftercare program. But he was saying, you, you have two sides to this, where, yes, you want to have a very extensive aftercare program that is, to an extent, mandatory. But the other side of this is you don't want people to kind of have this, you know, this self-fulfilling prophecy of it's going to be really difficult when you get out and you're going to need eight sessions mm. with a counsellor. Mm. Because then you also kind of, um, that's quite that's influencing someone to maybe kind of, um, you know, you're kind of setting someone up, aren't you, for this, for what might not actually be there for someone. Yeah, yeah. You know, because if you're put into the circle, if, if you kind of go, oh, well, maybe I am not coping well, it's not really allowing um, it just to kind to of... Decide, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And so I think he had a really great approach to it in terms of, what needs to be quite proactive is you need to have professionals just checking in mm. often and for many years afterwards. And, yeah. and the professional needs to really keep their eyes open and say, Hey, how is this person actually performing? So you kind of keep tabs on their social media accounts. You keep tabs just to see how they're tracking. Um, so I, th I found that really interesting because up until I spoke to him, I, I really thought, no, you should have eight sessions mandatory for exactly the same reasons of what mm. you were saying. I think people find it very difficult to reach out and ask for help. Um, but he did make me think, think twice mm. about that. I thought it was a valid point. Yeah, very much so. Do you think um, your experience has affected you after the show, after, I mean, or even after all these years? A hundred and ten percent. Like, absolutely. I was pretty lucky because about a year after Channel V, I got into NIDA. Yeah. So I had this three-year distraction of, yeah, I'm in one of the best drama schools in the country. Easy. Mm. I'm not a failure. Um, and, yeah, so it was probably maybe about five years after Channel V that I had a pretty, pretty big kind of fall um afterwards straight after mm. v I, I just i had my heart absolutely broken and i'd never experienced heartbreak before yeah and so little 17 year old me was utterly devastated um and i acknowledged that period but yeah it wasn't until about five years later that i started to have really quite severe um anxiety attacks mm. um and i discovered that uh, it was opening night of a show that I was doing. I'd never had a panic, never had anxiety, performance anxiety before. And I rocked up to opening night and I was just feeling a bit, just a bit jittery. And I'd never gotten nervous before a show, packed out show, full house, every reviewer in Sydney there. And I was standing side stage and my cue light flashed at me. So that means I've got about three minutes before I have to walk on stage and do the first scene and 
every part of my body said, run the other way. My heart started racing. Um, I was sweaty. I turned, it's a, this play was a two-hander. So just two performers. I turned to the other performer and I was like, what's my first line? Oh no. (laughs) That poor actor. That poor beautiful actor. Um, And he just had to take my hands and say, Gab, I promise it's going to be okay, but you have to go out there. So that was the first, uh, yeah. And I went to a psychologist afterwards and I said, oh, I've just got performance anxiety. And I was like, just give me some kind of prescription for my performance anxiety. I'm I'm sure it's just, it's just a one-off. And she started talking to me and she was very interested in my reality television experience as a 17 year old. And she said, it's all related to that. It's all related to that. It's incredible, isn't it? It's funny because I mean, even with me, I have always, as I said, like I always wanted to be involved with one, then chickened out, but then I straight after I'm on back to, uh, what if, what if, mm. what, what if, what if I'd done a that sort of that questioning is always there. I mean, there was other reality shows that I'd auditioned for and gotten through and stuff like that, and I just chickened out at the last minute. It always gets me though. I always chicken out every time. <laughs> it's probably a good thing. It's probably my safety guard, actually. Did you ever get really close? Did you ever go, oh, maybe I, I will do this one? No, no. I always chicken out. I, th- I really do think it's, it's something watching over me because I don't know if I'm, I don't know how I would cope afterwards if I got out of, say, a Big Brother house and thousands of people were writing these horrid con- comments about me because I know I'm the type that would read every single one. Ah. Uh... Yeah. I'm one of those ones. I'd actually read. Yeah, I don't think you should ever go on. (laughs) I'd probably think it would be good. I'd probably even be the one that actually comments back. (laughs) Ah, yeah. So probably a good thing I didn't get on. Now, what advice would you have for people considering going on to a reality show? I'll give two answers. I'll give the one because I've asked this question, um, and producers always say, "Just be yourself." Um, what we want is we just want you. I don't necessarily think that that's going to help you out um, no. because if you're boring and you go in and be yourself, chances <laughs> are. Um, you know, the people that I've, I was talking to um, a contestant from Survivor and she was saying, when I had my audition, I knew that I was going in there to be divisive. I knew that I had, uh, I had a role to fulfill. I think, so look, ultimately, I've got no advice on how to get onto reality television. <laughs> Funny enough, I when was... I when I was called for the Big Brother, the original call, when they call you and they say, "Look, we're considering you," um, I must say that the questions are what started to scare me at first, because especially with that show and this series, they needed it because it was so competitive and it was more physical. It really was like, if you can watch it, watch it, because some of the um, some of the actual exercises they did were really well done, like really well thought out and made and produced, et cetera, et cetera. So they were really challenged, extremely challenged. So that would have then also relayed back onto the psychological side and how they were just interacting and acting within the house when they weren't doing these humongous feats of endurance. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was talking to a producer who kind of did the original series, Mm. the original few series of Big Brother. 
And they would do things like, um, if people were sitting down too much, put stuff in the couches, make it a little less comfortable for them. If you know that you're filming a challenge at two, give them, give them a, a surprise sugar treat at 11 a.m. You know, these really tiny little changes while they're sleeping, go and paint the, go and paint the living room a slightly uh, bolder shade of pink so that people just never quite feel comfortable. Or relaxed. Um, Yeah. So that there's little subtle points of control that can get someone out of their comfort zone. Mm. Um, Yeah. Just these tiny little adjustments. I love it. Well, Gabriel, thank you for being on the show. Can you just let people know where they can find out more about you and also about the podcast? So you can come and find out a little bit more about me on Instagram. I'm at G-J-O-S-C-A, G-Josca. Um, and you can also listen to the Back to Back From Reality podcast on any major podcast program or Apple. Where all good podcasts are just like mine. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm right next to you, babe. I love it. We are, we are winning. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much again and enjoy quarantine because you're in luxury. So I know I'm living it. Do the queen wave out the window now and again. And um, you'll be set. (laughs) Yeah. Thank thank you you so much much. for having me, love. It was lovely to meet you. You too. Talk soon. Ants talk. It's like Oprah, but not.